Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 15, Healing. Today's proverb is unattributed. I'll read it twice. I'm quite sure you've heard it many times before. Time heals all wounds. Time heals all wounds. This is a highly disputed proverb. And this is not the first time on the program where I've dealt with a highly disputed proverb. Although this proverb is disputed in different sorts of ways than, say, life goes on. Life goes on is a proverb that no one likes to hear in the moment they hear it, but often come to agree later. Time heals all wounds, however, is a proverb that people often disagree with or dispute, even when they're not in the midst of any kind of turmoil. The most common objection to this proverb is the word all. Time heals all wounds. And it seems to me that people frequently get uh, wrapped around this word all. And they take the proverb to mean all wounds heal. Or they take the proverb to mean, in the end, everything turns out fine. As though time heals all wounds is just a glibly optimistic way of brushing all human problems 
and vexations under the rug. But I don't think that those are fair ways of considering the proverb. I don't think time heals all wounds means that all wounds heal. Nor do I think time heals all wounds means in the end everything is fine. Rather, I think this proverb, though it only has four words, and each of the four words must bear quite a bit of weight, I think this is a proverb about time, mainly. So the proverb is, time heals all wounds. And the word all shouldn't be taken to mean every last kind of wound you can imagine. The proverb is not, time heals wounds, but all wounds. And the word all signifies to us that we're not just talking about physical wounds. Time heals all wounds, including spiritual wounds. Time heals all manner of wounds. The proverb means, if we're going to take wounds to mean both spiritual and physical, that spiritual wounds heal in the same manner that physical wounds heal. How do physical wounds heal? Often enough, physical wounds have to be nursed. They have to be coddled. They have to be meticulously worked around. Some wounds, not many, but a few wounds have to be painfully charged through. By which I mean some wounds require extensive physical therapy. But I'd like to suggest the proverb is more about time than it is about all. And of course, when some people hear time heals all wounds, they immediately intuit it means all spiritual wounds or that spiritual wounds heal as physical wounds heal. And many people have lingering spiritual ailments from a long time ago that have not healed as the rest of them do, a painful divorce, a falling out with a son or daughter, mother or father, a betrayal that led to two people going in opposite directions and agreeing never to meet again. And thus the objection, well, no, some wounds heal, but not all. How does time heal physical wounds, though? I would submit to you that most physical wounds heal mysteriously. You trim a fingernail too far back and it stings. It stings a lot. You go to sleep, you wake up, it hurts less. You go to sleep, you wake up, you've forgotten all about it by then. You cut yourself shaving, you apply a bandage, you wait. You remove the bandage, the next time you bathe, you reapply it. A couple days later, it's basically gone. And you've done no conscious labor. Spiritual wounds often heal the same way, which is to say that spiritual wounds 
have a tendency of healing invisibly and mysteriously. A friend says something cruel. You're hurt. You're angry. You leave. You meet again. You're not angry anymore. And who can say what it was that took place in the meantime? You simply went to work. You went about your business. And then when you came back, there was no more pain. There was no more wound. It's almost as though, in the same way, God knits our bodies together mysteriously in our mother's wombs. He re-knits our bodies together or our souls together when they tear. This often happens in the same way that Adam was repaired. God is the great physician and he goes to work on us while we're asleep. Like he went to work on Adam when Adam was asleep. How often, how often have you found that sleep mysteriously heals you. Spiritually, too. There are some sins which, if I commit them before noon, though I repent at noon, I still have to have one good night of sleep before I can put that sin behind me. Joy comes in the morning. Joy is a kind of resurrection. It doesn't always happen this way, but it's as though we lie down in our beds, enter into a state like death, and when we are raised, the pain is gone a kind of prophecy of the final resurrection in which all pain is finally gone. Now, the kind of healing which time provides is not an ultimate healing. It's a temporary healing. While we're on this earth, Christ does not heal us in such a way that we cannot be wounded again. And it's for this reason, say, that uh, many ancient theologians are quick to point out that Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he was not resurrected. The resurrection is this final and eternal event whereby the body and soul are knit together in such a way that they can no longer be separated. And we all know that though Lazarus was raised, he died again. And so time is not a permanent solution to the problem of spiritual or physical wounding. The kind of healing that time does buoys us. It sustains us like daily bread sustains us. It does not finally and completely solve the riddle of human suffering. Time does not relieve us of all those vexations of life on earth that 
St. Paul describes to the Corinthians. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Time's not going to take away the confusion that comes with being perplexed. The healing power of time buoys us. It allows us to carry on. It allows us to put things behind us that we might get on with the work of the day. We all know that there's a special kind of vexation that keeps us awake at night. And until, I don't know what what adult has not experienced the kind of vexation that keeps you up at night. But if there is a kind of vexation that keeps you up at night, you know that it's special. It's odd. It's weird. That vexation would plague you at night. Because night is the time in which vexations typically subside. And that, it w- that a vexation would come out uh, to play upon us at night suggests it has an unusual power over us. We like to think that the healing of an intellectual wound is more intellectual, though. But the healing of uh, intellectual or spiritual wounds is by human striving of the will. In the early days of my marriage, I often thought that emotional or sentimental wounds could only be overcome by way of conversation, confrontation. And so uh, I often would go to my wife and say something like, you have sinned against me. And in the conversation that followed, and I would point out, you said this, you said you would do this, you said you wouldn't. What I was looking for was a kind of highly transactional conversation that would ultimately culminate in her saying, I apologize for sinning against you, forgive me. This is that overly transactional, overly commercial, formal bureaucratic approach to forgiveness that I think I learned from some Jay Adams book that I studied a long time ago. Now, when I would go to my wife and say this, you sinned against me. It wasn't really that I wanted reconciliation. It was that I was angry and wanted an apology, which is very different than wanting reconciliation. I was angry and I wanted some act of contrition, some act of embarrassment from my wife. And then I could throw my anger into the black pit of her contrition. But I think my real problem was that I was unwilling to wait for my anger to pass. I was unwilling to wait for time 
to heal my wounded ego. Now, if a certain sin still needs an apology, even after you're not angry about it, then maybe the health of the relationship requires some kind of embarrassing confrontation. You sinned against me, you did this. But often enough, confrontations of that kind in any kind of uh, friendship, romantic relationship, are far more about the satisfaction our hurt feelings demand than they are really about reconciliation. And I say this because at the end of the transaction, when it occurred, you have sinned against me, blah, blah, blah. I apologize for sinning against you. Didn't feel better. Because time hadn't done its work. The proverb, time heals all wounds, is misunderstood if it's taken to be some kind of pure expression of optimism. There is a dark edge to this proverb. That seems so sinister. There's something about the proverb that even for the person who agrees with it, there's something about the proverb that doesn't sit entirely right with you. Time heals all wounds, but should it? Because time heals wounds, spiritual wounds as well, we don't entirely have control over the pace at which wounds heal. Time can heal wounds far faster than we would like. So there's some sense maybe in which Christ himself is the time which heals wounds, spiritual wounds, and he does this mysteriously. But when we say time heals all wounds, I think that time can also mean human forgetfulness heals all wounds. It might even be that human forgetfulness is the means by which Christ heals wounds. It can be dazzling how quickly wounds heal or heartbreaking. Having been a teacher 15 years, I have on several occasions passed through, lived through the announcement that a student has died. And everyone comes to school in the morning, they're gathered together for a special meeting, someone goes, a teacher, a counselor goes from one classroom to the next and makes the announcement that someone has died. Maybe a student, maybe a former student. Someone that the whole student body knows has passed away. Or the parent of a current student 
someone well-known in the community. And it often happens that the rest of the day has this black cloud of mourning that hangs over. And teenagers who are, who typically behave, as I wrote recently, as though they're a little drunk with the joy of life. There's always much laughter, much chatting, joking. Teenagers talk far more loudly than they need to. Yet on those days when there is an announcement that someone we all know has died, there is sobriety all day long. And no one laughs, no one talks loud, no one says funny, dumb things to get a rise out of classmates. And the whole enterprise of school seems absurd following immediately following the announcement that someone has died. The next day, though, 24 hours later, it's all back to normal. Like it never happened. The jokes return. The jocular attitudes return. It's daffy business as usual 24 hours later. And in the moment in which you're mourning, you often know that time is going to heal this wound and that it's going to heal it really quickly. It is amazing how quickly people forget tragedy. We can be wounded in good ways as well. It's January, Christmas is lately past. In W.H. Auden's A Christmas Oratorio, he remarks on just how quickly, come January, people forget about the wounding vision of Christ's love for mankind. We go to church on Christmas Eve, we light our candles, we contemplate. God's condescension, his infinite condescension and humility. And we think, I should be good like Christ is good. And we weep for our sins and we weep for all the ways that we fall short of Christ's own goodness. And then January comes and January is long and bleak and gray and we have to go back to work and there's no more roast beef to eat and as Auden points out in A Christmas Oratorio as soon as January rolls around Lent can't be that far off and this vision of the spectacular birth of Christ and all the sublime joy that comes from it is transferred over to a contemplation of his death and the certainty of our own deaths and our own certain failure to live up to the glory of God. And so all of these realizations, all the resolutions to be good that are typical 
of the wounding vision of Christ's humility heal rather quickly. So we're left with this question. Our friends die, people we know die, our family members die. We recover with astounding rapidity. And we start to wonder, can anything really change me? Is real change possible? If the death of a friend or a loved one heals this quickly, what hope do I have of real transformation? If not even terrible psychic pain can transform me, what can? In old movies, uh, you often see characters who are mourning wear black armbands. I wish this was still common. I don't know when this habit fell out of fashion. I remember asking my parents about this. I think there's a moment in It's a Wonderful Life, maybe, where George Bailey's wearing a black armband. And I asked uh, when I was young my parents, what's that for? I said, well, somebody he knew, somebody he knew died recently, and people used to do this a long time ago. And of course, it seemed absurd because uh, at the time I wondered, um, why would you need a reminder that someone you know and cared about was dead? The older I get, of course, the less need there is for this question. Those black armbands might be a way of telling the healing power of time. Not yet. I don't want to be healed just yet. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be fitting for my soul to shore itself up this quickly. I deserve to mourn. This person I've lost deserves my mourning. They deserve my own spiritual wounding. And that black armband's a reminder to put off joy for a bit longer. Refrain from happiness a little while. Hamlet says something like that to Horatio. Refrain from felicity a little while. And you might need a reminder for that. Time heals all wounds, but not the way that a fence gets painted slowly, methodically. You know when it's done. Our wounds are often healed apart from our knowledge, apart from our striving, even against our better wishes. Time heals all wounds. And... As Groucho Marx once said, time wounds all heals. Time gives, time takes away. Eventually, time becomes the wound that tears us apart. And then we go off to that place where wounds are healed not by time, but by someone who transcends time. 
time heals all wounds, and then time is a wound itself, and we depart this world. And we move beyond time. And it's only in that timeless state that our souls are finally healed in such a way that they cannot be wounded anymore. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.